tell us a little bit about what you saw and, and, and being able to relay that message to Cora when you watched Kimbrell pitch and, and kind of help out so he wasn't uh, tipping his pitches. So tipping pitches, we hear about it all the time. People at home understand what tipping pitches is all about. It's amazing, man. Yeah, that's remarkable. Alex, much like uh, our mutual favorite band, Fall Out Boy, our lawyers have asked us to read a statement so that we won't get sued. I'd like to start this podcast by reading this statement, written and drafted by the Esquires that we have on staff here at Tipping Pitches Media. Tipping Pitches Media has become aware of a name mispronunciation on the Tipping Pitches podcast. We would like to extend our sincerest condolences to Brian Bayo of the Boston Red Sox, whose name was very unfortunately mispronounced on last week's episode of the Tipping Pitches podcast. Tipping Pitches Media and its subsidiaries would also like to extend their sincerest apologies to the listeners of the Tipping Pitches podcast, dozens of whom wrote in to correct said pronunciation. Though we make our greatest efforts to never make any mistakes on this show, sometimes things do fall through the cracks. And we regret them, but we own up to them. Sincerely, Alex, Bobby, and the Tipping Pitches Media Lawyer family. <laughs> I We talked about him on last week's episode. He was one of the subjects that people like replied underneath uh, our tweet right, and said yes, that they wanted yes. us to talk about. And I was like speed reading through them so fast that I just said his name, Brian Bello. I <laughs> did. I'm not afraid of owning up to it. It's Brian Bayo. I just pronounced his name wrong. And you know right, what? Hey, These things happen. Someone um, in the Slack said, you better learn how to pronounce his name before he wins this year's Cy Young. And I said, we just need to slow our roll a little bit, guys. We have to slow our roll just a smidge. It's okay that he's good and I pronounced his name wrong. He's not going to win the Cy Young because of that. Not because of it. In fact, in spite of it, Bobby. I guess so. Um, he's really, he's, uh, I, I know that we don't, I know we don't do real analysis here, but man, is he a good uh, pitcher. He's just kind of like rocky couple first weeks to the season and has just been one of the most consistent pitchers in baseball ever since. And that was this week's 30 seconds of actual baseball analysis brought to you by Alex <laughs> Baisley. Uh, he's also playing for a team that I just, I haven't had a lot of time to watch this year. Are you watching? So because you're not watching the A's, I know we talked about this a couple weeks ago. You're watching other teams more or less? Or have you just chosen a couple teams to basically fundamentally replace the A's? Well, I suppose I can't reveal too much given given the oh, subject true. of future of future podcast episodes. Um, I will say I'm I'm feeling a little more free to bounce around from from game to game. I mean, I I think I always was sort of drawn to matchups over like particular loyalties. Right now, I a, a few years back, uh, the the fine folks over at Fangraphs used to. Um, I believe this was Carson Sestoli when he when he still was there. Used to uh, release the nerd scores for each baseball game, like the like the watchability score of like a, a given pitching matchup, a given uh, team matchup. And I'm really missing those right about now because that's primarily how I'm consuming the game. Like I know that I'm not going to watch a meaningful baseball game with my personal allegiance. So like, what is the platonic ideal of a matchup? That's how I approach like, like every day. Who's the who's the starter? Who are the young rookies that that I might want to be able to say I watched? 
10 years from now. It's a lot of work, frankly. It's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Well, being being a generalist fan is a lot of work. Actually, the easy way out is just choosing one team and you only have to pay attention to that team all year. Yeah. Seriously. Um, that's true. Uh, listeners don't know this about you, but you're a big bullpen game guy. If there's going to be a bullpen game, you're like fired up. You tune in and you're like, here we go. Seven plus pitchers used by one team in this game. This is what I came here for. I What I will say is I'm really bad about actually like thinking proactively about the matchups. So I usually end up watching bullpen games. You know, I'll be like, oh, great matchup. You know, uh, Brian Bayo versus... I don't know, like Sonny Gray or whatever. And I come in and it's like the fifth inning where at least one of them's out of the game at this point. So my my primary, the primary hook is like not even there anymore. Now I'm just watching, ask me to name a Red Sox reliever. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the Red Sox relievers that I could name have been DFA'd. So I'm not going right. to try either. Um, I know what you mean. You know, but by the time you actually tune into the pitching matchup, like one of them is not pitching well and the other one is like 80 pitches through four innings. And it's like, oh, he's doing okay, but he's going to come out soon. Yeah. Once again, we lament the death of the starting pitcher in Major League Baseball. Um, That is not what the topic of this episode is going to be. Today, we're going to do a little bit of a grab bag style episode. We're about halfway through the Major League Baseball season. Of course, we are coming to you recording this on Monday evening, a mere one hour and seven minutes before the the MLB Home Run Derby begins. So we will not be talking about the results of that event on this here podcast, uh, nor will we be talking about the results for the really the lineups of either All-Star Game. I, I don't know if that's <laughs> quite in our wheelhouse necessarily, but we are going to take stock of kind of what the league feels like and, and what this season feels like halfway through uh, from a tipping pitches perspective. And then there were a couple other smaller stories that I know that uh, you were intrigued to, to hit upon that are more in our wheelhouse, which I'm excited to talk to you about because uh, nothing is real anymore and nothing matters. But before we talk about those things, I am Bobby Wagner. I am Alex Baisley. And you are listening to Tipping Pitches. Alex, something that is real and something that does matter. This week's new patrons, those new patrons are Clark and Jen. Thank you for signing up for the Tipping Pitches Patreon. It means a lot. Uh, something that something else that is real is a real-life minor league baseball game that you and I will be attending on Saturday, July 29th. Let me ask you this. Have you bought your tickets yet? <laughs> I didn't. I guess, I guess we probably have to do that, don't we? We do have to buy tickets. I kind of just yes. thought we could maybe show up, you know? What if we showed up and forgot to buy the tickets and then they were sold out and we couldn't get into our own meetup event? There would be nothing more delightfully on brand than I think that specific uh, scenario. I kind of agree, but maybe we should buy those tickets together so that we are actually sitting together at this event. Yes, I, I think that's a good idea. Uh, if you listener are interested in also buying tickets for this, you can at the link in the description, July 29th, Brooklyn Cyclones, uh, Already forgot how, how the what's the ballpark? You you nailed Maimonides. it last week. Maimonides. There we go. Just like the hospital chain, they are playing the Wilmington Blue Rocks of Wilmington, Delaware. Uh, I'm pretty excited for this. This will be my first time out to Coney Island this year, which is a, a testament to how busy we've been and how much we've been traveling. Because typically, I would love to go more frequently. That's a great place to see a ball game. Um, anyway, many of you already know this. Many of you have already bought tickets to this event. 
If you're going to be in New York on Saturday, July 29th at 6 p.m. and you're interested in seeing a minor league baseball game with us and our ragtag bunch of weirdos, please follow the link in the description. Tickets are $17 and they come with a Brooklyn Cyclones hat. Now that we are done, now that we are done talking about a real ballpark where you can see a real baseball game, I would like to introduce you to MLB's newest marketing tactic for this year's All-Star Game. Alex, that is MLB's virtual ballpark. Welcome to MLB's new virtual ballpark that offers immersive and engaging digital experiences to baseball fans wherever they may be. Did you enter the digital ballpark? Sorry, the virtual ballpark, which which offers engaging digital experiences. You can see how I would mix that up. That is, it's uh, easy to confuse. Uh, I didn't get the chance. It debuted during the All-Star Celebrity Softball Game, uh, and it offers fans the opportunity to create an avatar, enter the virtual ballpark, explore the ballpark, interact. It's like Club Penguin, I think, but like it's a baseball park. The skin of it is like a baseball park. So they might be onto something. I thought, yeah, I thought we were here to make fun of this. And now you're talking about Club Penguin. Yeah. You got me. I don't me. know. They got me too. So why didn't so you join? Th- and this is like kind of right up your alley. You'd be one of the people in the virtual ballpark just talking shit, you know, trying to recruit people to become communists. I <laughs> learned about it after the fact. I didn't do my due diligence ahead of time, which that one's on me. But I, <laughs> you are right that I 100% would sign up for this with a burner email account and just hang in there. You know, they talked about like being able to hear try, try authentic to, like, so, crowd noises. So Discord. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> See if you can like turn them against the mods, <laughs> turn the fans against the mods or something like that. Uh, MOB expanding into the metaverse, baby, right on time as the metaverse is obviously blowing up. They always got their finger on the pulse. Like a couple years later, like after the pulse, they're always like ready to jump in at it. Now, I actually think there's like some interesting parts of this that maybe fans will be able to take advantage of down the road, right? Like the idea of being able to say, explore a ballpark without actually having to go sounds amazing. Are you telling me that I can like browse all the concessions and like know where they are without having to scroll through a list or, or look at like a, like one of those poorly designed maps that they have on the website? Like, from an accessibility standpoint, from the standpoint of like actually being able to streamline your experience, hey, maybe there's something there. Do I want to interact with fans at the all-star celebrity softball game? Uh, not for me. I, there might see, be something there for me. That's what's interesting to me is that this is not like a worthwhile topic to make fun of. Like This is not at the level of some of the other things that we criticize MLB for being like tone deaf. Right. For example, let's compare this to like the NFTs the NFT, so rare NFT market that they have been kind of pushing for the last year and a half and how they've been trying to make this into like a whole new collector's item for baseball fans, this digital experience that is both easier to execute on the league side and less uh, permanent for the fan side, but is like a cash cow, you know? It's like a cash grab in the short term because there are these like tech firms or there are these... Uh, crypto banks who who want to grow fast. It's like a get-rich-quick scheme for these finance people, and MLB can be on the other half of the get-rich-quick scheme and not lose any of their credibility when it flames out because they're still, you know, Major League Baseball. They still exhibit Major League Baseball games, whether or not this crypto bank goes belly up. 
So I don't think it's like that necessarily. I think that this is sort of like an interesting concept in terms of merging the physical and the digital. But the problem and the reason that I sort of made fun of it and just like tweeted it out as this random, bizarro, like Black Mirror-esque push notification that they sent right before the celebrity softball game is because I actually don't think they're really interested in merging the physical and the digital world. I actually think what they're more interested in is monetizing the digital world because they've already over-monetized the physical world. And so they have these things like this where, oh, they're gonna, they, there are theoretically no physical transportational limits on how many people can join the virtual ballpark. And so there's a much bigger consumer base and now you can start to show them ads when they join a virtual ballpark. Now you can start to mine their data when they join a virtual ballpark. You can amass a digital profile about your consumers that is then uh, used in market research for the teams and who they can sell more merchandise to. And I don't think that it's really designed the way that it's like talked about on their website. I don't think it's really designed to be like a check this out before you come to the physical ballpark so you can have a better time at the game. I think it's more so like a this is something that you can do instead and you can be paying money here. Not that they were actually asking people to pay money for this time around. They were actually offering World Series tickets to one of the people who joined the virtual ballpark. But it just feels a little bit like a further schisming, a further stratification of the Major League Baseball experience so that they are asking more people for money in the long run. Yeah, I mean, like everything else, like every other part of the MLB experience, it's about creating a sort of closed-loop ecosystem that people can come in and experience all the experiences at your one-stop shop, right? Like, you can go in here and you, sure, you can watch a live stream of the baseball game, and you can also play trivia, and you can also, you know, play games and win prizes, and you can also connect with other fans, (laughs) <laughs> like it feels a little bit like it's like you remember like Toontown Disney's like Toontown online where like you could go and log and like experience this virtual world right even if you can't experience the the theme park say you can come in and you can drink the Kool-Aid basically now I have trouble seeing that taking off in the same way I don't know how much of a market there is for like baseball themed like massively multi multiplayer online games like that just i don't know doesn't feel like there's a market for that but me but like um maybe i think it's an interesting question i just think that like m it's mmrpg correct massively multiplayer role player games mmrpgs i i actually think that executed well those are interesting community builders. Those are places where people can gather and pass their time in a productive and, you know, rewarding way. And I think that that was a big thing during the pandemic is like people, you know, people fired up their gaming consoles and it was a way for them to feel like they were passing the time with other people in the digital world in a more meaningful way than just like scrolling Twitter. And I don't think that that is a, a poor aim, but I like as I sit here and read this, I also see that the first 250 fans who participate in the so rare virtual scavenger hunt during the MLB All-Star Celebrity Game, which took place within this uh, virtual ballpark, will receive uh, one digital so rare card giveaway. So again, this is just like 
it's all you can also win a, a, a candy digital collectible bobby did you see that oh i already have some so i don't need one you already have candy so that's what you glossed over right i already have candy digital no no not candy i, I have candy digital candy digital sorry you have candy digitals right you don't need those either oh it's also by the way it's it's the di- it's the virtual experience brought to you by so rare of the MLB All-Star Celebrity Softball Game presented by Corona. <laughs> Don't forget anything in there. Make sure we have all of Major League Baseball's business partners <laughs> represented. <laughs> Which, um, they're also running banner ads on this webpage for the um, Ted Williams All-Star MVP Award presented by Chevrolet. That's Okay, so there's got to be a space for us in there somewhere. I completely right? agree. How, why can we not market in this virtual ballpark can we market in the virtual ballpark well even even if we don't market in the virtual actually that's great can you can podcast with us in the virtual ballpark you mm. come and you sit in the guest chair it's like radio row at the virtual ballpark but we host in in sold i will delete everything we just said if if rob yeah. would like to approach us with that concept everybody knows the best um, podcasts are done in the metaverse here's the thing everyone's laughed at when they're the first person to do something right everyone exactly but they won't be laughing at us when we are hobnobbing with the the business elites at major league baseball i mean to just to put a bow on this i i do think again as we talked about this is the sort of technology that's just getting off the ground and businesses like major league baseball are trying to get a foothold in there see how it might work for them um i do want to take issue with one quote from Major League Baseball Executive Vice President of Media and Business Development, Kenny Gersh, who said, what's cool about this technology is this bringing people together, it feels like you're really there. <laughs> no, it doesn't, Kenny. <laughs> I like. I this? haven't used it, and I know it doesn't. How is this not a guy that we know? Like, how is this not a guy that we talk about regularly? Kenny Gersh, he should be. We use Rob as shorthand too much. I want to challenge us to name names more often on this podcast. Like all of the suits, I think we should be the podcast that is like cataloging these people and their quotes and their positions and their influences and what they think the baseball world should be doing with its time. Because Kenny, it's just not, it's just not true. Like the, it's just the physical experience of going to a baseball game is sacred. Dare I say one of the, one of the most sacred things left on this earth. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. it's like going to see Oppenheimer, <laughs> going to see, going to see, going to the ballpark, <laughs> paying for a $20 beer and seeing Ellie De La Cruz hit a 490 foot home run and steal yeah, home. Exactly. You know, like th- these things are, it's like one of 10 things that is actually experiential left in the world. Yeah. I, unless you're bringing that to my living room. <laughs> exactly. I can't smell Cracker Jack. At MLB's digital ballpark. And if I could, you know what? Maybe I would retract these statements. Okay. Speaking of made-up things, uh, the Braves are on the stock market now. Officially. Hell yeah. <laughs> you like that transition? Are they, is it, are they officially on there? Or is it, are they just officially going to be on there? Yeah, uh, bad news. Thank you. That's a good correction. They will be on there on July 18th. Which, which <sighs> means we have one more episode before they come on there. Your new team podcast. So... Just make sure that when we record that new team podcast, you consider that you could actually trade stocks of one of these teams. Make sure we talk about that. Uh, this I'm reading from the fan-sided blog, House That Hank... House? 
that hankbuilt.com, which is the Braves fan-sided blog, uh, quote, the Atlanta Braves will become an independent, publicly traded team later this month as Liberty Media will split with the Braves on July 18th. We knew this was coming, uh, but they finally announced the date. Uh, the Braves are going to become, quote, Atlanta Braves Holding Incorporated. That's pretty good. Yeah. Did we ever talk about how the Phillies are the only team to, like, not have a bullshit, like, LLC as their official name? They're just the Phillies. The rest of them are like Nationals, baseball holding partners and co. Is that right? I thought the Mets don't have one either. I think they're like New York Mets Baseball Club, LLC. I apologize. Inter- I interrupted you. You were, you were speaking about the Braves and their, their, the new name bestowed upon them. Oh, no, that's okay. You, you can feel free to interrupt me whenever you need to. Um, what would we do business as <laughs> on, this, on the ticker? Tip, T-I-P-P? I kind of like just... Just TP. Does, is there a, is there a, like a letter minimum on the stock market? No, because some of them have like single letters. You know, that's like a, that's a scam. That's like what are these like the like the the noble gases? Like, come on, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Stocks listed on the New York Stock Exchange can have four or fewer letters. Nasdaq listed securities can have up to five character characters. Oh, hmm. you can mix in some some weird shit in there. Symbols are just a shorthand way of describing a company's stock, so there is no significant difference between those that have three letters and those that have four or five. No significant difference, except that it's more prestigious to have more letters, in my opinion. Really? See, I uh, think it's I far, lo- far cooler to have, have like one letter. Like, if you're just T. You think that, but what if we were on the ticker as A-Rod? <laughs> <laughs> I, presumably, A-Rod Corp is on there, right? Nope. It's not publicly I don't traded think it, yet. Not publicly traded. His 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 SPAC is his SPAC is his SPAC right. SPAC Slam Corp. Price is five hundred million dollars. We are so far afield of what we were even talking about. Back to the Braves. Atlanta Braves Holding Incorporated. They will be joining the New York Stock Exchange. Liberty Media originally purchased the Braves from Time Warner back in two thousand seven for one and a half billion dollars. Liberty Media, publicly traded company. This is this is actually outlawed now. You can't be on the stock market if you are a professional baseball team. It's part of like I don't know MLB's constitution now. But the Braves, because they were already owned by Liberty Media at the time that they put this rule into place, they were grandfathered in to being a publicly traded company. But no other teams are allowed to do this anymore. It doesn't. This doesn't really change anything when it comes to how the Braves are going to operate financially. Like they were already owned by a publicly traded company. The real thing that this changes and the real thing that makes this worth talking about for you and I is that, well, number one, you could buy stock in a team. I don't, it doesn't really mean anything. Like you, I, I think people were talking about this as if it was like the Packers, you know, where you can be like a part owner of a team more or less if you like buy a share of them and there's only like a controlled amount of shares there. Like this is not, this is not like that. Like you can't buy Facebook via the stock market, you know, like you can't buy the Braves via just amassing shares of it publicly. Like you'd have to, uh, a purchase offer would have to be made to the board of the Atlanta Braves, which is appointed by Liberty Media, its parent company. So it's not quite as, uh, shall we say, democratic as some people in the in the media finance world would like you to believe. Uh, but what it is, it's a it's a opportunity for transparency when it comes specifically to the Braves' finances because. You know, previously, 
all Liberty Media had to do was say, this is how much money the Braves made this year. This is how much money we spent on the Braves this year as one of our subsidiaries. And they didn't have to really file anything more specifically um, or do like shareholder calls as it relates to the Braves. They had to do shareholder calls as it relates to all of their holdings. Liberty Media is a gigantic company. They also own Sirius XM. They also own Formula One. They own, they have a large stake in Live Nation, which is the company that merged with Ticketmaster complete, to completely basically destroy the music industry as we knew it. So Liberty Media is like a real, um, a real death star of a company, of which the Atlanta Braves were just one, you know, ray on the death star. Although I think the Death Star only actually has run with one ray, so maybe they were like a like a machine gun or something, a turret on the Death Star. <laughs> I'm losing the metaphor, but I'm going to keep going. <laughs> what this means now is that the Braves will be their own publicly traded company on the stock market, which means all of their financial filings will have to be much more complete and only related to the Atlanta Braves. And so we will be able to look into them a little bit more closely. Now, that doesn't prevent them, like all other companies, doing, you know, basically funny money accounting with how much they spend and how much they take in and what that actually means and what they're spending it on. Like it doesn't materially teach you what Facebook is doing with its money to go look at their stock market filings year over year because we have a failed country and whatnot, but we will at least have more numbers with which we can make assumptions based on our prior held opinions, which I am excited about. I don't know about you. Yeah, I am too. I mean, I'm, I'm interested to see what this means. My gut feeling is that, you know, they don't remain publicly traded for an extended period of time. And in fact, I think what part of the speculation around this is that this makes them a lot easier to sell now. Before they were kind of, they were, you know, a a sort of independent entity that was, you know, owned and controlled by Liberty Media. And now effectively they are their own business, right? So if Liberty Media is looking to get out of the baseball game, because I hear baseball's finances are, have been in dire straits for years, years at this point, this would make that a lot easier to, to do so, at which point I would have to assume whoever takes over control says we're not publicly traded anymore. That's not how, how things work. Um, but even for the few months, I think that, that they are in this position, the few years, how, whatever it means, my hope is that it provides some perspective that maybe we haven't gained before. Now I'm under no illusions that the Braves like accidentally went public and now all of a sudden realize they have to share all their finances. Like I think they know very well what they they want to include and what they don't want to include in these sort of report backs that they have to make. But I think it provides a different dimension, a little more color to what it looks like to actually run a baseball team. And it's something we don't get very often. Does it make you wonder, like, not make you wonder, does it say anything to you about these teams that a team can just casually pass into the stock market and no one has anything to say really materially about it, that it's not a big deal? Because this is not really a story. Like, this is, they've been, functionally, they've been a publicly traded company since they were acquired by Liberty, Liberty Media. And within the last couple of years, they have been even more so at like a stock market listing because they were listed as a tracking stock, which is a sort of outdated way of putting your wholly owned subsidiaries 
as their own stock on the stock market, one that can't be, you can't purchase stocks, you can't, you know, buy and sell stocks for that tracking stock. It is just a way of sort of umbrellaing, umbrellaing out one of your subsidiaries to be financially tracked on its own in the stock market um, in terms of its, its, you know, revenue and expenditures and how much the company is actually worth. But you would still only be able to buy Liberty Media stock as a whole, not Brave's stock. So they've basically been doing this for the last couple of years. And so that's why this doesn't feel like that big of a, you know, media business story necessarily, a sports business media story, whatever. But to me, there's something like oddly formal and and sort of naked and transparent about just being like, now our 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 company is on the stock market. You know, we're not America's qualitative pastime anymore. We're right in there next to Procter and Gamble and Goldman Sachs and you know, like Walmart. Like we're we're listed in the New York Times finance section right next to all of these companies. But also, you know, we play some baseball games from time to time. That to me is weirder than it's getting credit for, but also like not really even worth talking in depth about because we know how these companies operate anyway. We know how these teams operate as sort of ruthless financial players. Yeah, it feels just like the sort of latest piece of evidence in the long line of pieces of news like this that illustrate how intertwined sports are with like the broader economy and the notion of politics right the idea that that the game of baseball is you know somehow pure and insulated from the broader whims of the market now i mean i i do think it is i do think that baseball is a particularly insulated industry when compared to the average stock market right something something antitrust exemption that allows them to have quite a bit of regulation over their their finances but but this is like the way of the the world now the way of sports right you can buy stocks in manchester united if, the last time i checked right like i do think that this sort of decade will be marked by that shift of these behemoth sports teams and leagues moving towards becoming legitimate just financial instruments right we're seeing the sort of calcification of that as we speak and we know how valuable these teams are we know how desirable they are because you see a dozen billionaires line up to buy one anytime they go on the market right and so this just feels like the kind of latest domino to fall that certainly is very representative of everything that came before it maybe i'm just in my own head about this but there there feels something weird to me about how like if there was a financial crisis similar to 2008 similar to the dot-com bubble similar to the great depression or whatever that you know there might be a run on the braves (laughs) that just doesn't seem right to me, it right. feels Does anyone like want to some... short the Atlanta Braves? Right, exactly. I would love to short the Atlanta Braves. You know, I, I actually, that's not solid advice because they're going to be good for like twenty three years. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but I would love to. Maybe that means I should be investing in the Braves. See, these are my, these are the mod. This is the modern conundrum. What is going to suit you 
as an investor versus what do you believe in as being good? And I don't believe in the Braves as being good for the world. I don't like it. But hey, if it's going to help like me as an investor. Exactly. So do I need to go into my 401k account and say, please leave the Braves out of this? Otherwise, it'll make a conflict of interest for my podcast. It's really bold of you to suggest there there are any conflicts of interest that haven't already been like broached here on this podcast. No, we. See, I'm, I'm saying it with my chest to make up my 401k. Put my off my Roth IRA, just all brave stocks. No, you're point. a Roth guy. That's good. That's what they tell you to be. I'm Roth as well. Okay, cool. Okay, so you're a Roth guy. You want to be heavy on the Braves. I think that that's the right. terminology in the stock market. I'm <laughs> I'm heavy uh-huh. on the Braves. <laughs> right. I'm bullish on them. I like the idea that like having a 401k means that you're basically the same as a day trader. Like you get to decide what you want to be leveraged in and what you want to stay away from. Like, no, it's just the money just goes into an account. It's like a mutual fund. Like there's a thousand stocks in this account. Like none of it is real. Right. So do you think you're getting to to make that say? Like, I mean, you might think you are, but there's just, just some guy moving numbers around. Oh, I thought that you were going to ask me. Ten, tens of thousands of other people. Ask me what? Sure, sure, yeah. I thought that you were going to ask me, do I think I'm ever going to get that 401k? Because the answer to that is also no. No. Like, I don't <laughs> think we're ever going to make it to the age at which we can take our 401k out and enjoy the rest of our right. sweet lives. Is it, like, meaningful in any way? No. Yeah. Not that I think I'm, I'm going to, like, perish before then. I just think that, like, society might crumble before then. And the structures, you know, solid as they are, holding up the 401k and retirement industry are going to crumble. <laughs> Duct tape only lasts oh, man, for so long. I have a sip of my drink. That's right. We're doing great like, here. Please do that. Um, I mean, this is just this is what it is to talk about baseball now, right? It's to talk about IRAs uh, and to talk four, about the stock exchange, yeah, and, and the ticker and how you can be listed and whether or not a run on the banks is going to put Liberty Media out of business. I don't know. I mean, to to round out this wide ranging discussion. I do think that when you look at it from the point of view of, say, an MLB owner or an MLB commissioner, mm-hmm. the Braves are like doing exactly, exactly what you want on like all fronts, right? Booming real estate business, star players locked in at below market values. You, you happen to be really good at developing baseball players. Yep. And you're making bank as a result of, of all of that. I don't know. I don't know how if, if you are an MLB owner or a prospective MLB owner, how you don't look at that and say, yeah, give me a slice of that. The Braves are currently their their tracking stock is currently trading for forty one dollars and nine cents. We need a couple more people to sign up for the Patreon. Get a couple stocks part of our portfolio. Should we so does that mean if we start hiring people and say, for example, down the road we start offering four oh one Ks? Would those 401ks or IRAs be composed of these exact stocks? Or should Only we put like a stocks. little like Rod like Rogers communication stocks in there too? Is that traded in America? I'm kind of assuming we might be global by then anyway. It um it is. RCI, Roger, Rogers Communications Incorporated, is listed on the New York Stock Exchange, $44.24 a share. The uh the 52 week high. $50.16 a share. How do people do like finance podcasts? Do they just come on and they're like, all right, <laughs> read, next read stock. Numbers. Uh, okay, the, the 
the div yield is 3.39%. And that's crazy. also Alex. 3.39? No, also Alex, the market cap. Uh-huh. Brace yourself for this one. The market cap is $23.37 billion. What do you think about that market cap? That's a wild market cap. Like especially it's, when you when you get nuts. when you get up that high, you But I mean, also like, when wow, you're that, we're dealing that low with at the same time, you know. Or when you're right right there in the middle. Like that's nuts. Right. As but definitely with billions at the end, I'm like, wow, this is I know, I'm, one, yeah, I'm wondering like how yeah, how much market is there to have? Um, do you think how many over under? Over under. How many risk analysts do the Atlanta Braves employ over under 50. This is risk analyst or risk risk analyst adjacent positions within the Atlanta Braves organization. My favorite job title, risk analyst. Your favorite job title. Uh, I'll, I'll say under 50, but certainly more than certainly more than a dozen. Do you think that there are more coaches or risk analysts in the Braves organization? <laughs> If you had to bet your life on it, <laughs> are there more people assessing financial risk or coaching baseball in the Atlanta Braves organization? If I had to bet my life on it, I would wonder why on earth I'm betting my life on the makeup of <laughs> Braves financial analysts. <laughs> I'd go to a new sports book. <laughs> it's just FanDuel holding a gun to your head. <laughs> I do think it's probably pretty similar. I mean, the, the word coach gets a little squishy because, like, are we talking strength and conditioning? Are we talking like trainers? Are we talking like pure no, no, no. I'm on talking the field about, like, baseball coaches? I'm like, talking about like coach, people, pitching coach, people who wear the uniform and are in the dugout during games. Yeah, there are more like risk analysts, financial management, you know, scrubs. Yeah, great, absolutely. That's all I was looking for. I'm glad that you agree with me. Because here's the thing, bar for entry, way lower on the risk management. <laughs> a lot right, easier okay, to get okay. that job. I mean, we could do that now, right now. It'd be like, that seems risky. But <laughs> on the other risk hand, management every day. No, on the other hand, it could be worth it. So there's the risk um, calculation for you there. R- top five riskiest things we've done this month. Go. I spend so much time talking about risk management on a <laughs> baseball podcast. I don't know. I'm determined to offend every risk management person that I could possibly offend. <laughs> that is my only goal for the rest of this podcast. It's no longer about baseball. Um, okay. Should we move on? Sure. Yeah. I don't even know where we were. Where are we headed? Um, I guess the final thing on that is that it doesn't strike me as all that surprising that MLB is fine with the stock market because it seems because of how much they seem to love gambling these days. It's just kind yeah, of Yeah, did whole- you the whole financial model at this point. Yeah, did you see the the Sports Illustrated story that came out today about the whole fiasco, uh, the, the gambling scan, scandal at Alabama baseball, where a guy walked in and was like, I want to place $100,000 on this college baseball game. And they were like, no one, no one bets that much money on college baseball games. What's up here? Anyway, things are good. I think I saw a few more NFL players who also got nabbed for sports betting recently. It's just collateral. I mean, we knew this was going to happen, right? It's like this, you know. Yes, comes the with the territory. Managers told us the risk. The risk managers told us they would. This is what happened. This would happen. Yeah, you grin and bear it a little bit. A few gambling scandals. What's a couple more to baseball, right? And then it's all upside, baby. <laughs> exactly. 
It's all upside after that. Just a couple federal investigations, and then we're on our merry way. Uh, I did not see that story, though. I will. Uh, I'll check it out. Um, all right, let's 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 close this podcast out by talking about uh, where we're at in the Major League Baseball calendar. It's July 10th. Like I said, home run derby tonight. All star game tomorrow. It's uh, being hosted in Seattle this year. The festivities, the All Star Week festivities. Um, you know, I mean, on this show, we don't talk all that much about. We don't. We're not going to preview the home run derby field. We're not going to talk about snubs from the All Star game necessarily. Both because they're not qualified, but also because there are so many other places that do that better than us. Um, so, in lieu of that, I'd like to just check in with you. Several months into the baseball season. Do you have like a resounding takeaway from this baseball season? I mean, I have my own answer for this that is skewed towards both my personality type and my team affiliation. But I'm curious for you, as someone who has ditched his team affiliation, and as someone who hosts a weekly baseball podcast that is more about risk management and the stock market, you know, what's your what's your top line thought when people are like, hey, what's going on in the baseball world this year? Here's the thing is, I actually think baseball's in a in a pretty good spot. I think the I think the the game's been pretty darn good this year. My personal relationship to the game notwithstanding, I know we can't discuss potential changes to the game that may have led us to some of these moments. But things like stolen bases are up. I think that's a I think that's a good thing. Players like Ellie De La Cruz of the Cincinnati Reds sometimes steal three bases on one play, you know? You never, you never know. See, to me, that was just defensive incompetence. I mean, he's great, and the balls to try that is just phenomenal. But real, just really bad defense from the Tigers. Yes, one hundred percent. Little league coaches everywhere, just tearing their hair out. <laughs> that the pitcher doesn't even look at third. Doesn't even, you know, you know how when, um, when you're in little league, you just often you just pump fake to a base, just pump fake all the time, even if yeah. there's no one there covering it. Because if the runner sees that you're going to do that, where's the pump fake? You know? Yeah. That's my, mm-hmm. that's my analysis. Yeah. Get out of your own head a little bit. Stop moving the dirt around underneath your cleats. Look up. Look around. Be alert. Head on a swivel, kid. I will say we, we are um, at the point of the baseball season where, as we've discussed, Rob Manfred is kind of doing his PR tour to talk about how good of a spot baseball is in right now i I was as i was prepping for this podcast i came across another he wrote a guest column in sportico today about how mlb's first about how the first half of 2023 provides a glimpse into mlb's bright future and it's just (laughs) it kind of comes off as like the 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 cool guy who's like maybe trying to sell you on religion a little bit you know he's like no 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 this ain't your this ain't your parents baseball you know, we got like, this is a better, this is a better baseball than ever. You know, it's a baseball that like meets you where you are and sees you. Right. Right. As a person. You know, rap music isn't cool. You know what's cool? Jesus. <laughs> Find Jesus. It's like that, but for baseball. You know what this comes off as is like a victory lap. He's like, we did it. Right. I was right. You guys were wrong. Time to change everything about baseball exactly in my image. Right, he's in here like citing the attendance on Father's Day, and and how it stacks up to previous Father's Days. Like I, I think these are all fine and maybe even good things for the sport. But to see the commissioner laying it all out, 
like just reflexively makes it feel really uncool. Like once you explain the joke, it's not funny anymore. And seeing him sit here and be like, yeah, we're, you know, we're continually showing the sport and our players and in new ways, which is helping drive viewership growth for our national broadcast partners, record streaming numbers and increases across our, no, sorry, you're not describing baseball anymore. You're describing a business. Your business is doing really well. That's awesome. I'm really happy for you that social media engagement is up. See, that's the thing, though, is that when you go to Sportico, they're going to let you do stuff like this because it's a sports no, I mean, business website. But if Rob would stop fucking around doing guest columns or having his assistants do guest columns and him signing them at the end, and he would come on this here podcast, we could talk about the real stuff. We could talk about whatever he wants to talk about. It doesn't have yeah. to be sports business. It doesn't have to be labor. It could be hunks of metal. It could be forehead tattoos. It could be Ellie De La Cruz. It could be the A's. doesn't have to be the A's. He's already talked a lot about that. It could be anything. More cowardice from the, from the man who refuses to go on the one show that would hold his feet to the fire. Exactly. Uh, my top line thoughts from this season are that whereas last year felt a little bit more predictable in terms of, in terms of which teams were good, this year feels a little bit more chaos and I'm not even just referring to the Mets you know having the the Mets and Padres really having the highest payrolls and um, not performing up to those expectations that they put on themselves and that the media put on them and you know that people like you and I put on them because of how all in they are and how we are expecting that to translate to actually winning because when you sign good players that usually means you're a good team Um, it's not just that really it's like for a long time, the Diamondbacks were in first in the AL West. You know, like the, the Reds are actually good since they called up Ellie De La Cruz. The Astros got off to a terrible start. Like Julio Rodriguez is bad. Like I, it just feels a little bit like that's well, all right, bad. <laughs> it's one way. <laughs> well, Julio it. Rodriguez is under two and a half more he, player through, but yes, yeah. He's not bad. I just mean all of these things that we consider to be um, relatively predictable within an unpredictable unpredictable world that is baseball are seemingly not being taken away from us but are seemingly becoming less and less reliable like i do feel like we're in a little bit of a transitional state in terms of like the game's biggest stars like we the last couple years has been a real and we've been touting this as much as anyone else a lot of young stars a lot of vibrant personalities dictating the game but also at the same time like a crop of older players who are predictably the best players in the league. Almost like without reservation. Like we can say Mike Trout was the best player in the league. No holds barred. Basically from 2012 until like his injury laden season of 2021. And that was like reliably predictable. Bryce Harper, best player, you know, one of the best players in the league. Uh, We knew who was going to pitch the best. We knew who, you know, like, and it feels like those guys are no longer as predictably great where and the younger players that are coming up are uh, more exciting fresher newer and injecting an energy into the game but also like not quite as predictable as those guys felt and so it feels like we're at a tough we're in like a tough spot for predicting what teams are going to be good it feels like we're at a bit of a crapshoot from that perspective and it always kind of feels like that to some extent but more so than usual this season and I, you know, I was asked by Phoebe's uncle a couple of days ago who was going to be in the World Series, and I was like, 
you're asking the right questions. And I just defaulted to saying the Braves because my my go-to move is always to try to to try to jinx my team's enemies. So, you know, when the Nationals were were good, I was always like the Nationals are they got the World Series in the bag this year. And now that the Braves are good, it's like who could beat them? No one could no one could ever beat them. Because I would love to jinx that. And then when I when I had to say who was gonna make it for the AL, I was like, I don't think I can name like three teams that I feel confident even like are worthy of being in the World Series from the AL. And that's not because there are no good teams. Like the Rays got out to this great start. They were historically good to start the season. Uh Yankees slower start, but also have the kind of roster that once it gets healthy healthy, you can see that being a World Series contender. Um, the Rangers are new to the scene, so it's kind of hard to trust them, but like the results speak for themselves. They're crushing teams. They're pitching really well. They're hitting really well. It's like there are plenty of good teams. The Astros, you know, are historically great the last five or so years, and there's no reason to believe that they're actually not that good anymore. So there are plenty of teams that are like worthy of talking about making to the World Series, but just whereas the league was more stratified and it was like, all right, it's going to be one of these four teams who's probably going to win the World Series. For basically, since we started doing this podcast, it feels like there's a little bit more parity. To be clear, I think that that is a good thing. I think that that's a good thing for the game. Because I think that it it just gives more optionality to the fan. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of what we maybe expected about the season is somewhat upside down, right? I mean, I mean, and it's interesting to think about what the sort of broader takeaways on the part of teams might be in the coming years, right? A lot of big market teams, teams that spent a lot of money, teams like the Mets and the Padres, are sort of flailing a little bit, right? And you're seeing these plucky upstart teams with rookies and guys on single-year contracts, guys like teams like the Pirates and the Marlins who are, like, kicking, you know? Who are hanging in in there. Well, okay. No, but... Yeah, okay. Eight games (laughs) under 500 is not very good. My perspective on what's good these days is very skewed. So if you're playing above like 200 baseball, I'm like, okay, you got something there. What's crazy to me is that the AL East is still all, everyone is over 500 and everyone has a solidly positive run differential. It's like, that is like a statistical anomaly. Meanwhile, no one in the AL Central is remotely interested in winning baseball games (laughs) these days. That's tale as old as time stuff, though. Yeah, it is. But I, but I agree with it. It feels a little more topsy turvy this year, and we're seeing things happen that, whether it's due to the rule changes or just sort of the the level of player these days that have not happened in a while. We're seeing someone challenge for the batting title. He's not going to. Luis Arise is not going to hit four hundred, but it's insane that we're sitting here having that discussion. Ronald Acuna probably won't go 40-80 this year. Although I wouldn't be able to say definitively that he won't. I don't know. It does feel like a little uncharted territory. 40-80. <laughs> That's just absurd. Sorry. I just It That's took me a like, second to process. I was like, 40, 40 and 40, I know. But what is the right. 80 that you're referring to? <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to like wrap your head around. Yes. I'm looking forward to the second half because I'm looking forward to clarifying some of these sort of uncertainties. You know, like by this point in many years past that we've been doing the show, we had a clearer picture at the top. We had the we had the Dodgers and Astros on pace to historically good records. Last year we had the Yankees who were 
actually on pace to break the Mariners' single-season record. And they fell off for like a whole month last year, but they were still a really great team. And so, you know, there are there are just more potential outcomes this year. I said that about the Rays being off to their incredibly hot start and, you know, building up such a lead. And then it <laughs> took me till just now checking the standings to see that the Orioles are only two games behind them. So um, I think we're just at a fascinating, we're at a fascinating period. And I look forward to talking about each one of these individual teams with you next week when we do our Alex Chooses a New Team podcast. If you're listening to this right now and you were intending on making a case to Alex for why he should root for either your team or just a team that you've identified as who would be a good fit for him, um, you are running out of time to make that pitch. We are recording this on Monday evening, July 10th. We are recording that podcast on Tuesday evening, July 11th to be banked for next week. And so if you're hearing this and you want to make one last effort to pitch Alex, the number is 785-422-5881. You can also write into our email, tippingpitchespod at gmail.com and make your compelling case. We have a ton of submissions already. I'm actually, I'm really excited for this. Going to have to collate, collate those for us before we record tomorrow. But people have really made their cases impassioned cases and i think that even if you don't become a diehard living and breathing fan of any of these teams after going down this rubric i think it will be clarifying in our modern times how these organizations are operating and which teams are just going to get straight thrown out versus which teams are going to actually be like worthwhile contenders so is there anything you want to tell people you know, sort of as a preview, not necessarily for people who are calling in or whatever, but sort of as a preview for how you are organizing your rubric before next week. Is there anything you want to tell me? Because I actually haven't looked at that. I actually don't. I know we haven't. We haven't really talked about, about this. We haven't talked about all. it at all. You know, I think it's really going to run the gamut. I have a few sort of overarching categories with some more specific details under each one. You know, looking at things like team aesthetics, looking at things like team performance and player likability. What does the culture around the team look like, both from the fans' perspective? You know, uh, what is a broadcast booth like? What are the traditions? And uh, and who's your owner? What's the what's the ownership like? Uh, I've been burned once. Doing my due diligence this time. So, are you committing to the fact that whatever team you choose, you personally co-sign that owner? that you would like to be friends with that owner, that you think that owner is a good person, morally upstanding citizen of the United States of America. Right, exactly. Like with anything in life, there's only ethical consumption under capitalism. So whatever right, you exactly. consume, you are ethically and morally co-signing. Exactly. And there, you know, there, so, yeah, there there's a, a lot of, writing on this. There are a lot of good owners out there. You know, a couple bad apples, but there's a ton of good owners. As I said last week, many of them, many of them have the right idea. I forgot we had that. I should have been referencing that more so I could drop it in this week. <laughs> Maybe billionaires got the right idea. God, that's so good. Okay, thank you to everybody for listening to this week's episode of the Tipping Pitches Podcast. A reminder, if you are in New York later this month, just a couple weeks from now, basically, you know, a little under three weeks from now, Tipping Pitches Community Meetup, uh, Saturday, July 29th at the Brooklyn Cyclones. Tickets are available for that. Link in the description. Oh, uh, one final piece of housekeeping. Uh, Another future episode that we are planning is going to be a milestone episode. Haven't yet delineated exactly what we're doing for that on the podcast, but we have a great idea for all of you. But that great idea requires 
short answer questions, yes or no questions, or questions that can be answered in just a couple sentences. That's all I will say about it. There is an ongoing form that you can submit questions for that is also linked in the description. And we will be tweeting that out occasionally over the next couple months as we plan this milestone episode. It's going to be a long time in the making, but um, I'm really excited for it. So that's all I will say on that. Thank you to everybody for listening. Thank you to those who signed up for the Patreon. Thank you to those who continue to sign, who continue to be a part of the Patreon. We really appreciate you all. And uh, now that I've done all of my emceeing for the week, we will be back next week. I'm Alex Rodriguez. Tipping pitches. Tipping pitches. This is the one that I love the most. Tipping pitches. So we'll see you next week. See ya!